Hi folks, happy Wednesday. On today's episode, we're fortunate to speak with Adam Grogan, Chief Operating Officer at Greenleaf Foods. Greenleaf Foods is a wholly owned independent subsidiary of Maple Leaf Foods, headquartered in Chicago, Illinois. Greenleaf is committed to shaping the future of plant-based foods with its two signature brands, Light Life and Field Roast. Two of the biggest names in the plant-based protein space with multiple burger, sausage, cheese, and tempeh options available. Adam is a seasoned CPG executive, an expert brand marketer, and innovative leader in the plant-based space. He is refreshingly honest, ambitious yet humble, and dedicated to creating the cleanest label, sustainably produced products you'll find in your local grocery store. Adam, welcome to the show. Where does Food for Thought find you today? Well, I just uh, got back from two months of spending out of the cottage in quarantine with my family, and uh, now in Toronto. Um, in my uh, in my basement, I think everybody has kind of got their unique places to work. I'm certainly not uh, I'm not without my own stories. So I will tell you, it's been a big adjustment. I've uh, I usually spend four days a week, uh, generally in Chicago. So I live in Toronto, and I uh, have an office in Chicago and a condo in Chicago, and I'm used to going back and forth every week. I, I, uh, it's the same crew I seem to find on the airplanes on the way down and the way back. And um, it's been a real uh, interruption to that. And I'm getting to know my family more than ever. I think they're getting sick of me for sure. So I'm su- super eager to get back to some level of normalcy and I'm sure so are they. So I've um, been spending a lot more time with my wife and my two boys. And um, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to look back and really appreciate the time, but it's been a big time adjustment for all of us. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's really interesting to see how it will affect things going forward. Definitely. So let's start with the spin out of Greenleaf for Maple Leaf, which is for the viewers, a special purpose corporation. So how and when did this exactly happen? Well, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was leading the, uh, the sales and R&D and product development side of the Maple Leaf Foods organization. And we uh, had a strategic um, offsite actually talking a little bit about where we want to take the company in the next hundred years. And so we spent some time, you know, considering the, the, the landscape externally and internally and what do we think our capabilities uh, will enable us to do. And, and one of the things that we um, talked about was this idea of uh, getting more into plant-based protein. And, and um, you know, as you look ahead to 2050, 9 billion people on the planet, I'm sure that's been quoted many, many times over, uh, certainly was not lost on us. And we spent a lot of time talking about what, what we wanted to do as an organization and where we wanted to pivot. And um, we, we had this view that we wanted to be the most sustainable protein company on earth. And I know there's a lot of meat companies out there throwing the protein word out, I think conveniently these days, but this was something that was really deeply meaningful to us. Um, we're already the, the leader uh, in North America in, uh, in raised with antibiotics, uh, you know, in the pork side of the business, we're the leader in Canada in, in poultry. And we felt the next uh, reasonable uh, place for us to, to go into was in plant protein, as, as, as the world considers it uh, another viable option. And as part of that, we made a couple of transactions in the U.S., which I'm sure we'll get into. And we felt it really important uh, to have a, a wholly owned subsidiary uh, located in the United States um that is you know wholly owned by maple leaf but independently run uh, we have we have our own we're our own business unit now we disclose that financially we have our own financials uh and our own leadership team there and uh and part of that was uh, as actually a social purpose uh, corporation we've registered in um in the state of washington 
and it's sort of similar to B Corp. It, it, what it does for us is it really, um, we, we feel it's deeply important for local suppliers and obviously how we treat our people and this notion of shared value. Um, and for us, uh, it was a big part of uh, our incorporation at the time after we bought a, a company called Field Roast. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the way to think about Greenleaf, I think, for those who may know Maple Leaf and maybe not, is that, uh, you know, this is sort of the plant-based protein arm of, of Maple Leaf Foods and we're independently run. And, um, and uh, we, we, we are the home of the, both the Light Life and the Field Roast brands. Yeah, that's really interesting insight. So you've been with Maple Leaf for a long time, I think over 20 years now. So at that strategic offsite, and, and maybe it was over a series of them, but I, I'm sure there were some folks in there that were saying, you know, that Maple Leaf's traditional business has been, you know, processing animal proteins. But then there was, you know, those possibly like yourself that were looking to the future and to the plant-based side. And now your mission statement is to be the most sustainable protein company on earth. You know, I, I'm sure that was probably a, a longer timeline than one day where you said, because Maple Leaf is such a big business. Can you kind of walk us through how that came to and then those subsequent um, transactions in the U.S.? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't suggest they happened on a, on, a, on a one particular offsite. It was a series of, of effort and work that we did uh, kind of analyzing our business and just reflecting on on where we wanted to go as an organization and where we thought uh, what the world needed, actually. And so uh, I think what's important is we uh, declared that we wanted to be the most sustainable protein company on earth uh, prior to uh, the acquisition uh, that we made in the plant protein space. And it affected all of our operation. It was uh, either in the animals that are under our care, um, our environmental stewardship, um, you know, there, and it's been a series of things that have happened. So uh, just in terms of background, in, you know, in 2017, Maple Leaf uh, bought acquired Lightleaf Foods, uh, which is one of the largest uh, plant protein businesses in, in the United States. Um, and, um, and then quickly after that, we acquired the Field Roast uh, Company, which is based out of Seattle, Washington. And uh, we now have quickly pivoted into two of the largest plant proteins, protein brands in, in North America. Um, and then part of the journey isn't just all about plant proteins. I mean, in, in 2019, we, Maple Leaf also became the first major food company in the world to be carbon neutral. Um, with, you know, we're really, you know, we're, we're viewing sustainable food production and sustain, in, in, in sustainable uh, protein industry really in the context of a number of different factors. You know, in terms of the food that we make, the ingredients we use, the animals we raise, the, in the, in this, in this, in the, and in the vegetarian, in the plant-based protein space, um, you know, obviously that is just one additional um, element to the larger strategy. So we're, we're uh, well on our way. Um, and uh, we think we're really set up uh, to uh, be able to make a mark and, 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 and just really uh, provide um, some incredible food products and plant-based protein products to North America. And, and, uh, and that's what we're spending most of our time thinking about. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let, let's talk about your recent uh, revamp of Light Life's plant-based protein line. If I understand correctly, your team conducted the most comprehensive research study in plant-based protein history. What were your conclusions and how did these inform this new uh, revamp of your product line? Yeah, so we, we undertook probably the most extensive and exhaustive piece of research in, in, plant -based, uh, in the plant-based industry 
at least as far as I can tell. And in talking with many of our customers, they're certainly eager for more and more information. Um, we we uh, we conducted interviews with you know eleven thousand five hundred consumers, uh, predominantly in the United States, uh, but across North America. And what we heard from them is is you know people are consuming plant-based proteins for a multitude of different reasons and different demand spaces and need states that they, that they think about and, and throughout the course of their day or their week. And what we learned through that work is about a third of plant-based protein consumption um, is at a point in time when consumers are looking for, for, for better for you, uh, you know, uh, nutritious, uh, clean, and of those consumers, when they are entering that demand space, they are, you know, about 98% of the time, they're, they're disenfranchised with what they're seeing in, in store shelves today. Um, they're looking for, for simple, recognizable ingredients. Um, they want to really understand how the food is made. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. You know, there, there obviously there's a lot of interest in this space right now. But I think what consumers are telling us, at, at least, is that, um, you know, we're starting to really get informed about what plant-based, you know, burgers are all about and plant-based sausages are all about. And, you know, although we, they, we want them to taste amazing and they have to taste amazing, we're also deeply concerned about what's inside. And so I think it's really important um, for us. That was our big takeaway through this work was, you know, how can we uh, make sure that we're delivering on those consumer needs? And, and that's where we spent most of our, uh, most of our time. We're just really delivering on those consumer and what the feedback was from consumer around cleaner, recognizable ingredients. So one of the anchors of reinventing the light life burger was simplifying the ingredient deck. And if I understand correctly, the burger was reformulated to remove modified cornstarch, yeast extract, and ascorbic acid, and now only includes ingredients that the average consumer would know, like pea protein, coconut oil, garlic powder, beet powder. Uh, that's not an easy process for anyone that knows what it's like to create um, commercial grade food products. So what was the, you know, the most challenging parts of this R and D process? Well, uh, you know, I can tell you, uh, we spent a, a great deal of time on this. I'm kind of smiling as you were asking the question because our R and D team has just done a remarkable work. Um, I'm just super proud of, of, of the effort that's gone into that. Um, you know, we've, we've really examined every ingredient, you know, we questioned, you know, why is that here? Why, why do we need that? What's the functional reason? What is the nutritional reason? Um, what, are the, what are the ingredients that are required to produce a great taste? Obviously, consumers aren't, doesn't matter what you put in front of them. Um, it has to taste great. And, you know, and taste isn't just about flavor. It's about texture. You know, in a matter of a few months, we, you know, we, we really ripped apart um, and questioned every paradigm that anyone had about what we could, what could be done. And the one thing I will say is that we are every day learning new things about plant-based proteins. I mean, the, 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 books, uh, the, the, the books are just not written on it. It's evolving. Um, and, and what's been remarkable about the effort of our team is just, I think, just, just this idea of starting from a clean slate and just and, and breaking all those in, independent uh, variables down. And where that landed us, and you, know, you, you, call it, you call it a number of the things that are now in our product, we only have 11 ingredients now. And, and we're super... Um, excited by that and our job isn't done frankly but but for now we're uh, Mike we've down to 11 ingredients and we know uh, the two of the largest brands that are in the space uh, have between 18 and 20 and you know uh, many of them contain fillers or other synthetically produced ingredients and and for us we just felt like there was a different way home and we think based on the research that we did that consumers are 
are really interested in clean, recognizable, simple to pronounce ingredients. So, you know, for us, although it was an incredible effort, I think it was a necessity and, um, and our, and our R and D folks have just, I mean, the one thing I will say about R and D folks is that, um, you know, they're culinary first and foremost. I mean, uh, they pride themselves on, on, on the fact that they're, they're, that they're, they're designing and, and creating food and tasty food and not just, you know, uh, individuals with science backgrounds. And so uh, that was a big part of, of kind of our North Star and where we were going. For sure. And for the viewer's context, I want to read out the 11 ingredients because it, it's quite impressive. It's water, pea protein, canola oil, coconut oil, natural flavors, sea salt, vinegar, beet powder, cane sugar, and cherry powder. Largely all of those are things that you'd find in, in your kitchen pantry. Um, and to your point, there's not GMOs, additives, fillers. Um, so, I mean, hats off to your R&D team is that's, that's a pretty impressive uh, clean ingredient deck. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, some of our R&D leaders are here, Jatinder who leads our R&D effort. He's uh, he's an incredible uh, leader, and uh, and uh, is, we have a, another individual, Violet, who I definitely want to make sure I mention them here. They're uh, fantastic uh, R&D leadership, and I you know I would say, Mike, like I think the difference for us is you know there's a lot of activity in this space right now, and and um, you know there's lots of talk about you know the future of plant-based proteins, and you know our perspective on it is a little different than maybe some others, and, and it's just that we think the future is really much more about nutritionally superior food that tastes delicious. Um, and you know, there's, there's so much effort going on right now into meat mimicry, uh, and you know, meat that bleed, you know, plant-based proteins and plant-based burgers that bleed and, and you hear all these types of things. And I think consumers, what they're saying to us is like, look, um, you know, sure. We want to have an alternative to a burger and we want to indulge it from time to time, but we're craving, you know, cleaner, healthier products. And, you know, although a, a big driver, you know, sometimes is in this space has been this notion of the environmental concerns um, or uh, ethical concerns on behalf of the consumer, we know a lot of people are just really interested to, to introduce new variety of things in their diets and they don't want to really uh, give up uh, certain things. And, and I think for us, between the clean ingredients, our, the taste that we deliver, and our carbon neutral uh, commitments, I think we're really hoping that, and we, and we trust that consumers will reward us with, uh, with the joining our movement uh, towards better and cleaner food. I really appreciate you saying that. And that's an interesting insight about cleaner, more nutritious food, because I think a lot of times this argument gets a little bit politicized and people start throwing labels around and what their dietary preference is, you know, say about themselves and, and 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 i think you know just to your point that you know you're trying to put out a really clean nutritious product you care about the sustainability of the ingredients the cleanness of them uh that's just a refreshing take uh coming from somebody you know in a company that that's leading this charge so um yeah thanks for sharing that insight and i, and I guess it's a good segue to my next question is is how do you view some of the emerging powerhouses in the plant-based industry that you're up against there are some big names and while they are direct competitors you're all ultimately trying to you know enact change at a societal level with more sustainable earth-friendly foods how do you view them whether it's you know kind of wearing your your work hat or your personal hat um just in terms of your competitors whether they're you know friendly or foe 
Well, first and foremost, I, I would say that, you know, the, the consumer's desire right now, uh, they have an insatiable appetite, if, if you will, for protein. Um, they want more protein in their diet, not less. And so uh, I think where we're different and is our view that, you know, we think, um, we, we don't think we should mimic meat or take out an industry at any cost. We, we, we just simp simply won't do that. Like we're, we're about, you know, uh, breaking from the competition. And so as you know, I have an incredible amount of respect for our competitors. They brought uh, certainly um, lots of interest uh, to a category that we're deeply passionate about. Um, we just, we just view things a little differently. We don't, we don't think that you have to mimic meat at any cost. We, we view that we, we, although we share the same goals on sustainability or a greener planet, you know, we've just cho chosen a different path. And, th and th that's just, that's what, how I try to articulate it to our own team and to others, which is they're going to do what they do. And, you know, you can't argue with, with uh, their successes. Um, but we think we have, we have a, we have a different path and uh, we think it's the right path to be on. I mean, not to get righteous or anything, but we, 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 we did the research. We've, we've understood what consumers are looking for. And I think as more and more consumers try plant-based options that are out there. Um, I think they're going to move beyond the, uh, you know, the uniqueness of trying something different and, and just out of interest. And they're going to start to really question um, the food itself. And I think, uh, I think our point of view is just, is just different and that we are uh, here to serve in a, in a, uh, in a way that is, um, you know, about real food and real ingredients. So, so we've talked mostly about your light life brand. Tell us more about your chow cheese line and field roast for those that aren't familiar. Yeah. So um, thank you for that question. We field roast is, um, is an incredible brand and it's a company that started by um, an owner operator named David Lee uh, out of Seattle, Washington. And you can find it both North and South of the border. It was, uh, it was, it was premised on the idea that, you know, a combination of just really super high-end culinary ingredients uh, and flavors. Um, it really pays, you know, pays homage to regional spices and ingredients and bold, complex tastes. Um, and that's not something you'd normally see from a, from a vegan brand. You know, I think a lot of people out there, you know, I, I always, I always anecdotally, you know, anytime you go into a vegan restaurant with people that aren't necessarily vegan and you, sit down and have an incredible meal. You know, I think the first thing everyone says at the table is always, you know, you have a great chef is, boy, you know, if I could, if I could, if I could just replicate that, I would, I would eat more plants. And, um, and it's one of the unique things about this brand is that we think you can leave the spice rack at the door. I mean, it's, it's so incredible. The flavors that come uh, it's um, we use whole ingredients such as grains. We use uh, fresh cut vegetables. Um, sometimes when you walk into our plant in Seattle, think it's like a tossed salad in the uh in the front end of our operation we've got herbs and legumes and um you know it, it's just uh the, the flavors are just remarkable and so uh it's an incredibly um uh high growth brand and business for us right now super proud of it and chow cheese is is another unique thing chow cheese I think it's the, if it's not, it's, it's likely the number one selling cheese product in North America, uh, plant-based cheese, obviously. Um, it's, it's a, a really cool uh, cheese line of, of 
we buy sliced cheese. We're just launching shreds and, and a new and a new cheese block. And what it it's it's why it's unique is that it uses um, a fermentation of of, of to soy tofu uh, in its formulation to create a really unique unami and uh, cultured taste that you would fermented taste that you would taste in a real cheese. So a lot of cheese out there in plants, you know, sort of fails to deliver uh, or uses nut based options and um, uh, we have a different way at it. So just incredibly, um, incredibly high growth businesses. And we're really just super proud to have them as part of our portfolio. No, that, that's really interesting insight. And I, I think there'll be people that definitely want to uh, pick up the products next time they see them. What do you think is sort of the next chapter in the evolution of plant-based proteins? Obviously we're still, you know, kind of in, in a chapter that's, that's growing rapidly, but as a leader of a business, you've got to see, you know, things from a 35,000 foot view. So is it more widespread adoption of these plant-based products by typically non-plant-based eaters? Is it snack products because, you know, so many of the millennial generation now are eating on the go as opposed to large meals or otherwise? Well, I think, I think the future, uh, is definitely more plants. We know 93% of every uh, of the con new consumers into the category are, are flexitarians and try to incorporate more plant, 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 whole plants and, and plant proteins into their diets. Uh, so I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. I think, um, there's a couple of key things that I view as, as coming in the industry. I would, it's, you know, sort of, um, I call it what's old is new again. Um, some of the fermentation technologies, are really interesting because they allow certain flavors um, and also a reduction in sodium levels and certain things that can make uh, make this some of these foods even even healthier. Um, we see huge opportunities to reduce the environmental footprint uh, in terms of its. Our focus right now is on electricity, natural gas, and and and, and water. Um, the supply chains and plant-based proteins are are still in the nascent uh, phase. Uh, you know, to extract protein from a pea, you know, I think protein represents about 1% of a pea, pea's makeup. Uh, you know, it requires a lot of um, interventions, a lot of travel. And although it's certainly substantially improved relative to alternatives in the, uh, particularly in the, in, in, the, in the animal protein space, I think there's certainly many ways to go to get costs in line uh, as, as these things scale up. I think you touched on one I think is really important is snacking. You know, more and more consumers, we learned through our research, are looking for uh, alternatives, uh, plant-based protein sources of alternatives. I mean, you can find it today in bars and uh, soy nuts and and uh, and tree nuts, but and but and maybe some plant-based yogurts. But on-the-go um, snacks in plant-based proteins, I think, are really underserved. And provides a huge opportunity uh, for us uh, and for the rest of the industry. So I think there's lots of, um, you know, the growth has been exponential. You know, I got lots of questions about that around the sustainability of it in terms of the actual growth itself. And I, and, um, I think we're at a really, really early stage. I think there's lots of room to grow. I think, you know, the, the, also the alternative protein space in general, you're seeing, you know, we're using pea, we use soy in some of our products, we use wheat gluten. Um, you know, I think uh, there's some alternative other sources of protein that's in, it exists everywhere. And I think we're spending a lot of time trying to figure out, um, you know, where we can take things from here. So lots of, lots of exciting opportunities, not only in terms of offsetting carbon footprint, but scaling the business and then also the food itself. I think there's, 
um, it's a it's a great time to be in this space, and we're we're just we're super excited every day we walk in the office. We're, well, when we can go to the office, we're super excited about um, about what's possible. Exciting times indeed. So you mentioned that fact that Light Life is the only carbon neutral plant based producer. Sustainability is obviously a huge theme right now for food companies, especially in the protein space. What does it actually mean in terms of offsetting your carbon footprint? Is there sort of you know, a tangible answer that you can give to it of just for consumers and viewers as to what that actually means in, in layman terms? Yeah, so we, um, we, well, first of all, I would just, I just wanted to make sure I, I, I share uh, with your listeners that Greenleaf Foods, um, as, it, as in its entire entity, along with Maple Leaf Foods, is one, is one of the first major food manufacturers in the world uh, to be carbon neutral now. And, and what that means essentially is that not only have we made substantial reductions in our carbon footprint, um, we have very aggressive and um, transparent science-based targets. Um, they're available uh, in the public domain. We make sure that we share those annually. Um, and, that's, and that's something that's super important to us. Um, but for, the, but for uh, what does that mean essentially is that there's three you know, sort of scopes to uh, carbon footprint. And there's scope one, scope two, and scope three. Scope, scope one is direct, uh, you know, obviously uh, company costs associated with producing products. Scope two is indirect. Um, and that is uh, for, for those that are supplying us with some of the energy requirements, uh, uh, a number of things that are more indirect. And then third is obviously, you know, to put it into perspective would be obviously consumers heating up the products and the carbon that they may limit emit through, um, through consumption. Um, we are uh, carbon neutral up on scope one and scope two. So many companies will articulate that they may have a carbon neutral process or that they uh, have a brand that's carbon neutral and the entirety of our company uh, is carbon neutral. And where we haven't been able to offset it uh, perfectly well, uh, we have offset that with, with really high quality um, carbon offset programs, and we invest in uh, in programs both in Canada and the United States. Very interesting. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. That definitely helps paint a picture. Um, I'm curious when a family friend or a a family member asks you for a starting point of how to go about making more educated food choices. How do you typically answer this question? Um, as obviously, you know, not everyone lives and breathes food like you or I, and they hear. You know, all these different terminology of flexitarian, pescatarian, vegan, they don't necessarily know how to unjumble all of that. Where do you kind of recommend them as a good place to start? Well, I think, you know, it's a really interesting question. I think it's never been a better time to be a consumer of anything uh, than it is right now. I mean, the amount of information that's available, you know, if, I, if we were together in person, I'd be holding up my smartphone. Um, you know, it's at our fingertips. And, but I also think, you know, I would say, you know, it's really important, uh, you know, as big, uh, as, uh, you know, big companies and companies that are stewarding, you know, what we view as really important brands. I think it's really incumbent upon us, uh, the manufacturers and the brands to ensure that we're transparent and we're, we're communicating uh, and educating our consumers um, in the most transparent way possible. Um, and I, and I think it's easy to point to other things. It's easy to point to governments. It's easy to point to uh, 
you know, certain websites, um, you know, there's lots of information out there as you suggest, but I think it starts with, you know, with companies and, and it starts with brands. And, and I think it's really important that for us that we, that we do that uh, and we help support consumers in that way. And so for us, you know, if you're looking at packaging that we're doing or putting out in our new light life brand and you turn it over, uh, we've just simplified everything from uh, how we talk about the ingredients that are, that are in, uh, in our burgers or, you know, in the websites. I think it's really important for, for companies and brands to do that. Um, and, and I, and I, and I would say that it's, you know, we do get caught up in the vernacular and, you know, but you know, I'm a big fan of people just sort of educating themselves on choices and options and, um, and, uh, and, and just in feeding and feeding themselves in, in a really healthy way. So um, I don't think it's incumbent upon us to, to shout at consumers about what they should and shouldn't do. And I think some brands do that. And, you know, our view is a little bit more balanced and a little bit more welcoming and, and meet consumers where they are and just share what you know and be as honest and forthright as you can be. Definitely. I, I had a question that I wanted to ask you about, you know, where do you see space for entrepreneurs in the plant-based space to emerge, develop technologies and start businesses that promote a more resilient food system? I think you already touched on it briefly, you know, talking about fermentation technologies. Is that what you're kind of most interested in or, or, or just see as kind of helping push this way forward? Or is there anything else, um, you know, for the entrepreneurial folks tuning in? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely many different places uh, where entrepreneurs can can um, can apply their can apply their efforts, and uh, and it's in every way. We just talked about uh, food information. I mean, I think we get really focused up on products and products in store shelves, but uh, delivering uh, real time information uh, and transparency, uh, traceability. There's certainly lots of interesting things going on in fermentation, um, in drying technologies, and uh, in the um, in the sourcing of plant proteins and extracting protein from from plants. There's certainly uh, many opportunities there. Uh, you know, there's a there's a general interest that in order to feed this world, you know, we're not going to be relying. We can't rely just on single crops. I mean, we've got to look at uh, sustainable agriculture is another area that is deeply important uh, to, the, to, the, to the human race. And so I think it's a combination of, of, of what the world needs and, and uh, a sense of, uh, of mission to, to improve upon it. And I think one thing we know today about consumers and their interests is that um, when they own these brands. I mean, we don't as an organization, they do. And when they choose a brand, um, they're deciding the world they want to live in. Um, and so it's incumbent upon all of us, whether it be entrepreneurs or, and, you know, we like to think of ourselves as entrepreneurs as well, Mike, but um, is that we, uh, we're here to serve, we're here to serve a consumer base that, uh, that, that needs, to, uh, needs to eat and needs to be nourished. And uh, I think there's lots of opportunities uh, out there. That's great. I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I only have, have three final questions. Um, one is sort of a non-food question, but I think very relevant. So we're starting to see a big push towards diversity and, and inclusive hiring practices to get more women and minorities on boards and in senior leadership positions. Being a senior leader um, in a large multinational corporation and also you know, with, with Greenleaf itself, how do you view this structural shift 
and what role is Greenleaf and Maple Leaf taking in its evolution as a company in regards to this? Well, this is a really important question, and I'm glad you asked it. Um, you know, I think we're, we're you know, I, I don't mean to brag, but we're really proud of our track record here. I mean, we've, we have a workforce that is, you know, that is more diverse than I think the current U.S. population. I mean, we believe in a diversity of thought and, and different backgrounds in education uh, are super important. Um, you know, we know that more diverse workforces lead to better outcomes uh, for companies. Uh, it's just a fact. Um, there's many, many stats about that. So, you know, for us as an organization, this is something um, that we're deeply committed to, whether that be through our, our DNI councils, through our employee resource groups. Um, we're now just rolling out one in, uh, in the area of mental health uh, as well. I think that's another area that's really important. Um, you know, and we, you know, we operate, you know, a relatively new company in the United States. So we get the benefit of some of the things that we've done on the, on the make leaf side. But what I will tell you is that, um, you know, we've really, our employees are telling us that they really want us to lean into this. Um, we've, um, we're, we're completing um, an enormous amount of um, anti-racism training, um, unconscious bias. Um, you know, we have gender goals. We have a number of things in place. And I'm just, I have to tell you, Mike, like, something I'm, I'm incredibly proud of our organization. We have a very comprehensive approach um, to address systemic racism and other cultural barriers. And we, we think it's just not only is it, is it the right thing to do, but we just think it's good for business. And so um, I think we, like, like any company, I would say that we can always do better. We will do better, but I'm certainly proud of where we are right now. That's fantastic. I, I want to make a, a quick comment before I jump into my last uh, couple of questions. So uh, a few past guests on the show that are, you know, really fascinating thought leaders in the food space, uh, Sujala Balaji, Robin O'Brien, two people who I've asked this question around, is it the role of companies to educate its customers with how it markets its food? Um, and often, you know, the, the reality is, unfortunately, they're not. They're oftentimes publicly traded organizations that have expectations in the market that they have to hit, you know, from revenue perspective and whatnot. And what's so I find refreshing about what you're doing at, at, at Greenleaf is you're truly educating the, the consumer on what they're putting into their, their bodies. Sujala has a, a thing where when she goes to the grocery store with her daughter, if, if she doesn't understand what's on the product, they don't buy it. And so, and a lot of times, you know, in the middle section or, or any section really of the grocery store, if you really look at, at labels, there's a lot of, you know, ingredients and fillers on there that, that people don't understand, but oftentimes they turn a blind eye. But I think, you know, the, the younger generations, this, these sorts of things are becoming more important to them and, you know, kind of voting with their credit card of what, you know, what food products and what kind of society they want to live in. And so I, I, I just, you know, I genuinely mean this when I say it, I think it's really impressive what you're doing with the clean ingredient deck and, you know, truly focusing on the consumer as opposed to simply your bottom line and, and kind of having consumers, you know, hope they turn a blind eye to five things on your ingredient deck. So I, 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 yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think we just believe in this idea of shared value, Mike, like it's, it's, it's not a new idea. It's an idea that it's about all the stakeholders um, starts with the consumer starts with our employees, our communities that we operate in. And, and we just think that there's a higher, um, you know, there's, there's a higher reason to exist. And I think it's important. Companies have a big role to play. And 
um, you know, for us, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we uh, have those have that shared value expressed across in all of our stakeholders. And so I appreciate you recognizing that. And you know what, honestly, we're all we're all human beings, right? I mean, I have two boys, 13 and 11. Um, and it's really important to me that I'm proud of what what I put on on my uh, on my table. And, and when I'm walking to grocery stores, which by the way, my wife won't even go to the grocery store with me these days, because I just spend so much time in there, looking at different products. And I think, I think, comp- I think brands that that stand out and, and have t- have chosen a different path and have and have tried to do better for the consumer and uh, make a difference uh, over the long term will get rewarded um, and at the same time are doing right by uh, by their consumers in terms of make looking after them like they're their own kids and that's that's what we're intending to do for sure so speaking of grocery stores restaurants online channels where can consumers find your products well, I'd like to say everywhere. Uh, you know, I think you're going to find both Light Life and Field Roast brands um, all through the U.S. and Natural Channel uh, in all of the uh, typical uh, retailers throughout uh, throughout North America. We're in Canada. We're we're in all the major retailers um, and in the Natural Channel as well. Uh, right now, uh, we've got a couple of exciting things going on. Um, if you do live in Canada, I will tell you. Uh, KFC in Canada has just uh, put a new our light life uh, chicken sandwich um, or plant-based chicken sandwich of course on the uh, on the menu and and popcorn chicken so you'll see that rolling out that's um, super excited about that and uh, Harvey's which is uh, a large um, uh, burger chain in Canada is actually currently uh, just added our new uh, Light Life Burger, which is a new version of our burger, which we have uh, have updated with the clean ingredient de- deck uh, across all of their stores. So if you are in Canada, get a chance to try those. I would definitely do it in the U.S. Uh, you'll be you'll be able to find us most anywhere in in the grocery channel. Fantastic. So my last question: What is your favorite thing or way to reconnect <laughs> with food? Well, I think food is one of these things, you know, I think especially right now, I mean, my creative juices, I am the, uh, I am the cook in our house. And I will tell you, um, I think the best way is with friends and family. I, there's two products that I absolutely adore. I would encourage people, if people don't know about it. First is tempeh. Um, if you have never tried this thing, it's the most amazing. It is like the superfood um, out there. It is um, fermented soy. It, comes in a cake sort of like tofu but it's got texture and you sort of stir fry it up in your pan with with a little onion garlic and olive oil and you put it on a salad for and it's a whole 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 source protein it's amazing um i've been doing that through the day it won't weigh you down and um now what i've been doing shamelessly is like having everyone introduce it to the new light life burger we're just uh just really excited by it and uh uh it's something that you know i know we're all social distancing and and that sort of thing these days but uh, sharing a meal with a friend or a loved one, even if it's six feet away, I think is uh, super important, especially these days. And so um, I think uh, never been more important than, uh, than having food at the center of all that and, and hopefully a plant-based burger to go with. Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Enjoyed it. <laughs>